0: This is the Sticks and Stacks podcast with Sean Drotar and Nate Lundy. Welcome to the Sticks and Stacks podcast, bringing you the best in baseball and hockey action. It is hockey today that we'll be discussing, and so that means our hockey expert Nate Lundy is here. Follow him on Twitter, at Nate Lundy. How's it going, Nate? I'm doing pretty good, Sean, although I have to say, and I mentioned this
1: uh, on on another podcast with, with Brad Evans, that uh, yesterday, uh, in all the hockey action, so Thursday's action, I was a lot like an NCAA team uh, in the bonus. Sean, I went one and one with a lot of my picks. So, for example, I had I had a two leg parlay. Well, I went one and one. I had uh, two that picks. That part's not so good. I did two picks uh, with uh, with just general like total goals and money line. Well, one and one. So I'm hoping to get off the free throw line, if you will, uh, and, and actually make. Uh, make some better picks here today and stop batting 500 so let's see if i can get above 500 uh, as we go into the
0: weekend of hockey because these series are a ton of fun well 500 is better than nothing so True. you know you'll True. take it and, and playoff hockey look there's some randomness to it and a lot of things factor in so why don't we just start with the uh, series back east the canadian and the jets the jets of course will be missing mark shifley for four games yeah, uh,
1: really, and and not a surprise. I mean, it was an it was an ugly play. It was, you know, I thought the announcing team uh, for NBC uh, did a really good job in terms of saying, you know, we had this fantastic game that is only going to be remembered for that play at the end, and that's really um, it's unfortunate. And um, but I'm glad that they came down with the suspension. They should have. It was a nasty play that was completely unnecessary. Um, and you know, you hope that Evans uh, continues to. Cover and is going to be okay because anytime you know, regardless of what happens after the game or anything like that, when the when the crew has to come out with a stretcher, I don't care what sport we're talking about, um, I don't care who you're a fan of, I don't care you know whether you just say hey, sometimes plays like that happen. No, they don't. Um, And I think the fact that he got suspended for the four games is entirely appropriate. And you know, let's hope that it doesn't. I'm I'm hoping Sean that it doesn't spill over to some bad blood here in game two because I I, you know these two teams are fun. To watch and you know both of them kind of uh you know to a certain extent you could argue both of them shouldn't be here um you know they're the three and the four seeds of their division and they and they wound up winning in their first round so it's kind of a fun story that unfortunately got marred uh, by what happened on wednesday
0: And it's going to make A lot of things harder For the Jets Of course Shifley Was their leading scorer On the season With 63 points In 56 games And it wasn't By a little bit The next leading scorer Was Kyle Connor With 50 So Shifley his absence, are really going to impact this series, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and it actually, you
1: know, that's a perfect segue for me, Sean, in terms of how I feel, you know, from a from a betting standpoint for this game tonight, um, and that is that I'm really staying away from the puck line and the money line in this one, because I think it's a little bit unpredictable. You know, Montreal has certainly been unpredictable, coming back from a 3-1 deficit to take out Toronto, um, and Winnipeg, who swept the first round, I mean, they, they knocked out Edmonton in four straight games, um, really looked out of sync um, in that game one. So I'm actually staying away from it. But you just brought up a really good point about Shifley, his point total, uh, the offensive uh, weapon that he is for them. And so that's got me looking at the goal total in this one, Sean, and feeling that, you know, it's that standard, what's a lot of people consider the standard uh, total in a hockey game, which is five and a half. And it's got me leaning to the under because I think that you know, Even if Winnipeg hangs strong in this game without him, um, I think they're just missing a lot of that offensive firepower. So this is a game that has me a little bit nervous on the money line because, uh, frankly, I've been, uh, I, I've been trying to roll, with, uh, roll against Montreal uh, over the course of the last several weeks, and that obviously hasn't been doing very good for me. Uh, so I'm staying away from that one. But I think the under
0: in this one, this feels like a 3-2, 3-1 to, two, three to one type of game to me. That makes sense to me too because I do think, at least for the opening period and maybe even two, there are going to be a lot of Canadians who are more interested in taking a little bit of revenge, and, and I do think that's a part of it. So, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you've had some very low-scoring game in this one, and if not, it's certainly well, going to be close. So, I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't really like. Uh, anything high scoring in this particular game?
1: And here's the other thing I'll point out because you you brought up the the you know the the huge issue in this one, which is Shifley. But I'll also throw this out there: in Game One, Winnipeg went 0 for three on the power play. Um, this is a team that was that was seventh in the league in power play. Uh, over the course of the regular season. So they were very good at converting on the man advantage during the regular season, but they went 0-3 in game one, and now they don't have Shifley. So now all of a sudden, even if they get a man advantage, they're missing such a great weapon that I think it's going to continue to be hard for them to convert if, in fact, Montreal you know, winds up with a guy in the box and they've got a man advantage. you know, They showed me in game one, Montreal showed me that they can slow them
0: down, and now Winnipeg is down a really important chess piece. Yeah, well, we'll see how that one goes. But then the game in the evening tonight is really fascinating. The Avalanche and the Golden Knights, a series that should probably be one to one. The Knights outplayed the Avs in the second and third period by a substantial margin. They outshot them by a substantial margin, but they lost Drew a power play early in the uh, in the penalty at for Colorado they cash that in they win in that game late three to two and now have an opportunity to take a 3-0 stranglehold but I assume they're going to get Vegas's very best shot tonight yeah they are and, and Sean you're exactly
1: right that it, you know in my opinion Vegas should have won that game if you if you just go with the eye test of which team performed better it was absolutely Vegas on Wednesday night um, in Denver um, and so yes they lost the game but you could argue that there was some momentum that swung back in the Golden Knights' favor. Um, you know, and and look, I said it on Twitter uh, while watching the game. A lot of people said it. It's not like I was the only one. That was a really ticky-tack penalty that was called on Vegas at the beginning of that overtime. Uh, Colorado got lucky um, that the referee called that and gave them the man advantage to where they could score that goal on the power play and win the game in overtime. I, I was I, I was really surprised that that, that, that penalty was called. Um, now, I'm an Avs fan. So obviously, I'll still celebrate it, but um, I was really surprised by that. But you talked about the shooting, Sean. In game, um, in game one, the Abs outshot Vegas thirty-seven to twenty-five. But then, when you look at Game Two, and you already said it, but let me quantify it: 41 to 25 in favor of Vegas. They were peppering Philip Grubauer with as many shots as they could, and in fact, uh, the you know one of the MVPs of the game, one of the three stars of the game for uh, the for the ABS was the post because I think Vegas hit the post six times. Um, I know I counted five, but I think there was a sixth in there as well. Otherwise, and three,
0: three in the third period.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, so otherwise, funny. Sean. To, otherwise, Sean. To your point, Vegas outplayed them, and Vegas probably should have won that in regulation. And this series should be one-one. So when you look at this going back though to Sin City, um, the arena will be at one hundred percent. Capacity tonight for Vegas, so you know that place is going to be absolutely loud and raucous. And those fans who have been uh, tremendous supporting this team ever since they got to Vegas uh, and started up, um, they are going to be loud and proud tonight. And I think that leans in Vegas's favor. And because of that, and because as of tape time here on the podcast, Sean Vegas is a plus one hundred on the money line, meaning even money. You know, you bet ten, you win ten. And if you're going to give me Vegas at home with that crowd, with the momentum that they have coming out of game two at plus 100, like I said, I'm an abs fan, but from a betting standpoint, I'm jumping all over Vegas because I think they win this one. I do not think this team goes down 3-0. I don't either.
0: I think that's the right move. I think they showed that they could contain, if not control, McKinnon and McCarr. They were they were throwing sticks at them virtually every time they got the puck. And uh, even those two guys, are ability to adapt is certainly there. I don't think that it's going to be an open series for them anymore like it was in that game one. You're talking about two Vezina trophy goalies. They're both finalists in Fleury and Grubauer. And even though these offenses are explosive... This one doesn't feel like a high-scoring game to me either. Three to two sounds about right, and if that's the case, I kind of like the under as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that and they're sitting at that same standard under, Sean. They're sitting at a five and a half. So you and I, with the same mentality for both games tonight, expecting them to be in that three to two, three to one range, um, and and sticking to that under. But like I said, I'm staying away. You know, to recap it, I'm staying away from the money line or the puck line on the first game. But I do really like Vegas at plus odds tonight.
0: That's Friday's games. We're going to take a look at Saturday's games when we get back right here at Sticks and Stacks. Welcome back to Sticks and Stacks. My name is Sean Trotar, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at SDROTAR. Nate Lundy, our hockey expert, is here. Follow him on Twitter at Nate Lundy. We took a look at the games on Friday. Now, two more series. On Saturday, let's take a bit of a sneak peek, starting with Carolina and Tampa Bay. Yeah, you look at that one. It's going to be in the afternoon. By the way, four o'clock Eastern time
1: is the I start. I hate those. Am yeah. not the only one that hates those? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the of the mid afternoon. Uh, I just, you know, I'd rather see a couple of games in prime time. But you know, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it. By the way, if you're flipping through the channels and trying to find it uh, on Saturday, it's going to be on USA Network. So you're going to have to go track it down there. It's kind of like uh, when we watch March Madness, Sean. Right? We're trying to figure out which right. true TV, TNT. Or the Olympics. Yeah,
0: right. you got 18 yeah.
1: channels. Exactly. So in this case, if you're looking for the game uh, on Saturday afternoon, you're going to find it uh, on USA. So obviously Tampa is leading this series uh, two games to one. Uh, you know, Carolina uh, managed to pick up the victory last night in overtime, 3-2. to two. That was huge for them. Um, I'm a big fan of this Carolina team. I think they're fun to watch. Um, and, you know, I was really disappointed to see them, you know, frankly. You know, I, I thought – I thought it should have been at least 1-1 with the two games that they played at home in Raleigh to be able to start it. But instead, they go down 0-2. And you think, oh, gosh, now you got to go to Tampa uh, and take on the defending cup champions at home. You're going to wind up going down 3-0. And instead, uh, they fought through and they got it done um, in overtime. I, I'm really curious about this game on Saturday. And I, I'll be honest, Sean, from a from a betting standpoint, I don't have a strong feeling about it quite yet. Tampa is favored at minus 160. Uh, on the money line. Same over-under we've been talking about. They're sitting at five and a half. Um, but I don't quite have a feel for this. And I'll be honest, Sean, part of it is for something that you just said. I never really know what to expect from these mid-afternoon games. I feel like it's I feel like it got to be even odd for the players.
0: Yeah, they're out of rhythm. It's not what you expect to do. It's kind of strange. And it makes the game unpredictable. You look at this Series so far, of course, you know, they haven't even hit that five and a half line even once, but two to one, two to one, three to two. And that was even in overtime. So I expect that to to stay more or less the same. But this afternoon gives me a little bit of pause when those guys are out of rhythm. You don't know what you're going to see. And goaltenders, if they start off a little rocky, all of a sudden. You may get a bunch of goals in that first period, and all bets are off.
1: Yeah, and and I'll say this, you know, going into the game on Thursday, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, who's just, I mean, spectacular in in between the pipes for Tampa. But I also believed that in the first two games, he had, I, I think Vasilevsky had sort of outplayed himself. Um, it, you know, his save percentage through the first two games was at nine seventy, which is, I mean, even for him, that's insane. Like his yeah. save, his save percentage on the season, uh, on the regular season, was something in the neighborhood of like 936, I think. I don't have the number right in front of me, but it was in that range, which is still fantastic, obviously. But in the first two games, he had been at a 970. And I was like, that's not sustainable. Well, we saw that in the game on Thursday night because he faced 27 shots and gave up three goals. Um, and if you do the math, that's a save percentage of 889. So his number came down, which was kind of what I thought might happen. Like, I, I, as good as he was, I knew that he couldn't just sit there and stand on his head the entire time. And Carolina managed to, you know, like we said, pick up an overtime win, get that third goal. Um, and so I think the the goaltending could be a little interesting in the afternoon, trying to find that, that rhythm. Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all for Carolina to steal this game, Um, but I will say that as, as we sit here at tape time here on a Friday, I'm leaning towards Tampa just because they are at
0: home. I don't think they would drop two in a row on home ice. Yeah, they only lost seven all year at home, so it does seem pretty unlikely they'd go back-to-back back with losses. Then let's go to the East Coast. Of course, you have a great game between the Bruins and the Islanders. you think in Boston, New York. Yeah, it's not the New York you usually think about. Uh, the Isles this year have been a big surprise. Yeah, they really have, and a lot of that came,
1: um, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, getting a hot goaltender. Well, during the regular season, Semyon Varlamov was very hot for them, actually played really well. Um, but as we've gone here through the playoffs so far, he has been, in my opinion, very up and down. Um, I think there have even been a couple of opportunities where uh, as they've gone through these first you know series and a half, where it wouldn't have been surprising for me to see him um, get pulled uh, and for them to try something different because he has been a little bit inconsistent here in um, the postseason. But this one is is, um, you know, it's at, it's in Nassau, it's at the Nassau Coliseum, Um, again, uh, a home ice type of thing, so Boston is favored uh, in this game, they're on a minus 140 on the money line, the over-under, by the way, they've ticked it down a notch, they took away the hook, the over-under is only sitting at five um, in this one, Um, I think it will be a low-scoring game, I think that's why the odds makers have it set at a five, and it wouldn't surprise me at all for this one to wind up being a push, you know, we keep talking about this three to two score um, that seems to be kind of prevalent here in the playoffs but I actually would take the Islanders as the money line underdog uh, in this one I, you could talk me into that because of the plus odds because they're at home um, and I think these are two really evenly matched teams before this series started Sean I actually placed a bet on this series to go seven games because um, I thought these two teams were just going to kind of ping pong back and forth uh, and so I put a futures bet on this series to go seven
0: in the regular season, the Islanders won that season series 5-3, to three, but these are teams that are separated by only two points in the standings as the regular season came to an end. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. This seems like a tight division series that's going to be a, a very interesting one to watch, but you're right. They're taking away that that little half uh, line there, that I mean, running mm-hmm. it down to five makes it a little bit interesting, but it also, in a way, sort of protects somebody who's interested yep. in betting. It gives you a little bit of a cushion as well. So let's go back through and... Just... This- you know, recap what we took a look at with these four different series. Let's start with uh, Montreal hosting. Uh, pardon me, Montreal visiting Winnipeg. Yep. Montreal leads that series one to zero. You like? I like. Uh, I like Winnipeg to win, but I'm kind of staying
1: away from the bets and the money lines on that one. So, if we're talking about from a betting standpoint, I'm probably going to jump on the over/under, and I'm going to take the under uh, on the five and a half goals in that one. It also means if you're setting up uh, some DFS stacks as we transition to the second game, I'm definitely leaning on putting together some stacks from that uh, Vegas-Colorado game instead. Um, I like Vegas on the money line. Um, also, I'll throw a player prop out there to you so you can use him in your DFS, or you could go with this as a player prop. Mark Stone, the captain, is a plus-188. He's so do. He's so do. Sean, he's plus-188 for an anytime goal. And this is a guy that was the second leading goal scorer on the team behind Pacioretty. Pacioretty, I was on in the last game, Eddie scored, and that one cashed for me, so this time I'm going to go with the captain with Mark Stone. It has been four games, Sean, since he has found the back of the net, and this is a guy that did it 21 times during the regular season, so I am with you. I know that one of those deadly things as a better is to say it's due, right? It's kind of like walking by that that roulette wheel and going... But we do it anyway. (laughs) But we still do it anyway, and so I am with you on Mark Stone being due, and that's why I really like that player prop for Friday night. Uh, Again, an anytime goal at a plus 188.
0: So there's the abs and the Golden Knights on Friday night. We go to Saturday, that weird afternoon game, Carolina at Tampa. Yeah, I like
1: Tampa um, to get the victory at home, go up 3-1 in this series. They're the defending cup champs for a reason. Uh, The over-under, though, I think you and I are in agreement that it's probably another one where we go under on the 5.5 as these two goaltenders continue to play well. Like I said, Vasilevsky was kind of due to have a game where he let some through, and that happened uh, on Thursday night. I think he may tighten it up again here as we get to Saturday afternoon, but a little bit funky, right? Because
0: as you and I said, uh, an afternoon game is tough to read. Yeah, but keep in mind on those goalies. Remember, there are three Vezina finalists. All three of them are still in the playoffs. Yep, There's a exactly. reason for that. Let's close it out with the evening game on Saturday. Bruins and Islanders, we think this entire series is going to be close. What are you thinking for Game 4? I like the Islanders in this one as the underdog on the money line. Uh, again, I'm going to stay
1: away from, a, from the regulation line, a 60-minute line. I think that we get to this point in the playoffs. Uh, you know, we, we've seen, uh, what is it, I think we've seen 19 games now so far in the first round and a half go to overtime. So, uh, but I like the Islanders overall on the money line. I could easily see a game that feels a lot like that Carolina-Tampa game did where you're kind of cruising along, you're sitting 2-2, you get into the extra frame. And then I like, you know, whenever we're talking about the overtime stuff, I always give a little bit of an edge to that home team. So I think the Islanders can win this one uh, and even this series up at two
0: that is nate lundy he's our hockey expert here at sticks and stacks follow him on twitter at nate lundy thanks for all the advice today nate i'm looking forward to seeing how the hockey turns out and uh, we'll check back next week so we'll check back with you next week as well my name is you can follow me on twitter as d-r-o-t-a-r thanks for listening to sticks and stacks on the Sub-Dust podcast network